This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. This month, Siberia will release their new album, Seeds of Change, via Blacklight Media Records. Siberia craft intricate and involving instrumental rock opuses, and they have never sounded more assured than on Seeds of Change, following in the footsteps of Caspian, Mogwai, and Russian circles. Their instrumental works are complex, yet instantly accessible, weighty, gorgeously melodic, and always deep moving. Purchase your copy of Seeds of Change by Siberia now at blacklightmediarecords.com slash Siberia. Once again, Siberia, Seeds of Change. Purchase it now, blacklightmediarecords.com slash Siberia. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. Hello, friends out there. It is I, your host, Petter Speich. I am always joined by... My name is Brandon Hahn. You got that. And you could follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Mr. Hahn Comedy. And... It's Sylvia. Brandon. (laughs) Wow, that's your last name now? My first name is your last name. Sylvia Alvarado. uh, Twitter and Instagram at It's the Sylvia. And make sure to follow our other co-host, Jocelyn Sharp, at Jocelyn Sharp on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's J-O-Z-A-L-Y-N. And if you want to follow me, I'm at Rise to Offend on Facebook, Twitter, Rise to Offend official on Instagram. This week, another bucket list for me. Such a great chat. I got to talk to David Sandstrom from Refused. We're here to talk about their new record, War Music which is coming out October 18th, guys. Make sure you're pre-ordering and pick this up. Can't wait to get that interview. But before that, we got some Metal Sucks news to talk about. First thing we're going to talk about, though, however, was last week, Brandon said something gross. I didn't say something gross. I think that we almost got it. Well, what was it? It was something to do with cannibal nipples. No. Oh, oh my gosh. I remember. Mm -hmm. You said your nipples looked like... And they were hairy? Yeah. yeah. Describe your nipples. My again. nipples are a lovely shade of pink, but on the outside, it's like, you know, it's like, a, it's like okay, you ever seen like the Godsmack logo? You take the sun out of the logo and just put in a pink your... nipple, and that's my nipples. That's you? Yeah. Actually, that's kind of cute. That's, yeah. that's cuter than I thought. Yeah, exactly. I'll tell you, I, I saw like, like a, a I mean, moat of hair around yeah, someone too. trying to get to a castle. I know there are plenty of rock stars out there that have that same uh, thing around their belly button. You mm. know what I mean? So, I think uh, I think uh, Sully Erna yeah, has yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, why not? Mm. This is where mommy fed me. <laughs> So it's anyways. a dark place. Actually, uh, um, after our conversation, I went online to look at more of those uh, that cannibal movie. Oh, Hol- like, Holocaust. More pictures of it. And then I went into this rabbit hole uh-huh. of like more cannibal movies. And uh, yeah. And you His came nipples. across some real cannibal I, no, shit? No, no, no. I came across like another movie with uh, there was this one chick who I guess had like hooks in her boobs. Mm, dope. Yeah. You don't know this movie? The I, name? I don't remember. Okay. Anybody? But I was it, like, what? Yes. I couldn't stop looking, and yeah. I hate that stuff. Um, how could you? How could you stop looking? No, how could you hate it? Oh, no, well, you- <laughs> Brandon, Brandon refuses to watch any horror movies, yet he'll, he'll, he'll say that. So anyways, last week, guys, we challenged Brandon to make a movie trailer. Oh, it wasn't just a movie trailer. For, well, we challenged Brandon to make a I got bit. Lionsgate behind it. Oh, oh. dang. It's yeah. a real thing. Yeah. 
about cannibal nipples and okay not lo- really cannibal nipples okay okay hold on you're, you're killing my whole i'm setting you up man i'm giving you this beautiful check out this bit and All you right. keep saying not this not that because <laughs> we haven't heard it me or sylvia no okay <laughs> so the point is is that brandon went to the lab his computer crashed on him he did something something called catalina and his life was like i had seven straight text messages that made no sense but it mattered and he still pulled this off <laughs> for you guys. So let's hear your fucking bit about cannibal nipples. Go. Is he the man of your dreams? I usually don't do this on the first date, but... Or the master of your nightmares. Let's get this shirt off of you. Wait, what's up with your nipples, man? They're hungry, my child. (laughs) I I can't breathe! Halloween. It's unlike any vampire before him. His nipple hairs act as tentacles that bind his victims before he turns them into his slaves. How do we kill it? That's not the question we should be asking. The real question is, how do we stay alive? Nip Fratu. I am a predator and you are just food. What makes you think you can kill a god? It's time to give that chest a fade. See his teats, you're already dead. Dude. <laughs> I'm sorry. You didn't get you I didn't hear Lions get anything, but you didn't give it an outro like to say like the name of whatever we I heard. did. It was it was Nip Ferratu. It was Nip Ferratu. Oh yeah. wow. That's... That was awesome. That was so much better than I thought it would be. Because that idea is pretty shitty. But I'm amazing. <laughs> that was See, pretty that's amazing. Like, Pete, you got to understand oh, something. Wow. You were getting top notch. I wish Nip Ferratu was had an accent, dude. This <laughs> she's got a well, point there. you're right. Hey, look, I went the I went the Brad Pitt in uh, Interview with a Vampire oh, okay. route with no yeah. accent. But you got to go the Gary Oldman from Bram Stoker's Dracula route. Yeah, we yeah. all know this. And I, I'm, look, I'm, when it comes to my my uh, accents, I'm extremely limited. Okay. I mean, when you got a voice like this. I, I, there's like only so tra- much like I could do. Romanian accent, uh, like Nifratu. Uh, so hey, I think that's Italian. I think that <laughs> was a little Italian. I would like to, I would like to suck your nipples. That's, that's Borat. No, oh, is that um, okay? Is that a Mexican? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> think, think, I think, will do nick, nipple dick. dick. I don't know. Think, think Peter Steele, okay. right? Yes. When he when he's talking to a crowd, talking to you a have crowd. To have four testicles, and I then just four testicles. Just make your R's turn into. My my nipples are gonna suck the life right out of you. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Anyways, great job, great job. I I do. <laughs> That's probably a line in that movie. Nip for I can't here. believe you did a bit on the cannibal nipples. I mean, Hats off to Ren. Everybody, write write it in and tell a great job. But nip. Oh my god, here. are you kidding me? You know how much hate mail we're gonna get because you told everyone to write in and pat me on the back. <laughs> I mean, there's, they're gonna do so much the opposite. I'm like a parent, dude. I, I, I want I want people to shit on my kids so they can learn. Oh, wow. Wait, Not what? true. Hold Not on true. a second. Not huh? True. I don't know what that meant. Yeah. I was trying to reverse psychology. Yeah, your that was psychology, amazing. But what I ended up doing is, is talking shit that yeah. I didn't mean. And then you <laughs> wanted people to drop a deuce on your kid. That makes no sense. I didn't say anything about dropping deuces oh. on children. Oh, okay. Wait. Oh. Did I say that? Did you hear that? Well, you it, said shit on my kid. It, oh. Yeah. It kind of oh, came across that way. Oh. Well, luckily, I okay, can Okay, a verbal things. deuce. A ver- yeah. You mean like you could drop a verbal deuce is what we're talking about. Verbal deuce. Anyways, verbal deuce. Great job on the bit, man. I, I want to make it. a band called Verbal Deuce. 
<laughs> Verbal dues. That, that's totally a grindcore. Oh, band. dude, I'm listening. I'm got, I've already got. You have it in your head already. I'm, I'm already jumping on my Logic Pro as we speak. <laughs> Are we gonna do a verbal deuce bit? It's gonna be a minute because I don't know how to make that. Yet, yeah, it's, that's a little as soon tough. as I do. Little, we're, hey, we're not challenging you for another bit. You I'm pulled off what you pulled off. I'm self-sufficient, and and we're very proud of verbal you. Verbal so. deuce. All right, man. Moving into the metal sucks news stories. Good job, man. Um, I almost want to hear it again. No, we don't need to hear We're it We're not going to hear it again, but I want to hear it again. That means it's good. Okay, yeah. That I'll means take I it can't... as a compliment. Yes. I'll send it to you. I'm not going to double play it on the show. Asshole. Yeah, because they could just go back and listen to it. <laughs> they and then, can. And then they can relearn about Verbal Deuce. I'm not saying they want to hear it again. I said I want to hear it they again. They need to hear it again. <laughs> they probably all slap their foreheads. Oh, well, like, here it is. <laughs> <laughs> they all slap their foreheads and be like, we just want to listen to David from Refuse. We'll of course. Get, let's get through these We know why they're here. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, Metal Sucks News, guys. Let's jump into the, the story i wanted to talk about is that this week as you guys know static x has been doing a uh, memorial for wayne static and they've been touring the um the 20th year anniversary of wisconsin death trip and they have a figure named zero who is fronting the band because wayne static passed away well fans came zero's out. also wearing a mask and mm-hmm. he's got his hair slicked yeah. up like well like wayne wayne static, static, yeah. yeah so it's it's a it's a very it's a a tribute, tribute to, him, to, the, yeah. to wayne static Fans have decided that they they figured out who that is, and that's Edsel Dope from Dope. It was confirmed earlier by them in the week. So now, when you look at this, like I, when I read this article originally, they say, "Look, he's got the same neck tattoo as the guy that's playing Zero. And to me, clearly, it's not the same neck tattoo, right? It you doesn't get, look very similar. It looks like he has a tattoo on his neck, but it, looks it doesn't like look the same. One's got the Godsmack son. <laughs> the other one's got <laughs> Nipferatu. <laughs> Nipferatu. Okay. Is that's, that's the first thing. And then Sylvia pointed out something that was very conspiracy theory-like because people look at ears. Edsel Dope's earlobes and Zero's earlobes completely different. Do you know what this sounds like? This mm. sounds what? like one of those psycho... Yeah, it does. Uh, Sandy Hook hoaxers where they're like, oh. you know, oh, it's, it's just an actor by the government with prosthetics. You know, like, you're really going to go that far? Yeah, well, no, no, no we. Say, no, no, she's right about that. the earlobes. Yes, I'm not saying that it's. Pers- I can't say the word, but that Look, I'm not saying. We need to get. We need to bring prosthetic. in prosthetic. What is it? Prosthetic. Prosthetic. Why? Why do you got to say it like that? Nuclear. In Transylvania. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to do my Transylvania. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, edit that. That. But edit I mean, that out. I'm gonna cut this cut out too. Out, Fuck yeah. this out too. Cut it. Yeah, that's out. Anyway. But anyways, why did you look at the ears? Oh, because. Um, Etzel, his uh, he has like that lobe thing, and the other guy, like there's, it's smaller. He got a smaller ear. Oh, which which is, I think you should look at the ear before the tattoo. Yes, I do. No, I, no, you but look at the tattoo look- first, and then you go, okay, if it's somewhat similar. But again, it, what are the tattoo? Are we are we looking at the right lighting? I mean, there's there's things that go into play here, but you know, because you can make the tattoo look a little bit strange depending on an angle, depending on the lighting. But then the the lips are also kind of different for both men. Yeah, I, I'm going to say it doesn't look to me like if you really did much research that it's the same guy. Now, body type wise, they look they look very similar. Sure. Um, hair wise, they look similar. Obviously, it's just he's got the Wayne static thing going up. So there are similarities. Let's to see him. their nipples. The one thing that I noticed <laughs> is that um, Edsel Dope's got dope tattooed on his knuckles. And the guy that's playing Zero does have gloves to cover up his any uh, tattoos on his hands. Yeah. So that to me leads to make me think it was him. Regardless. Um, the sleuths out on the internet that threw this out there, Edsel Dope did comment and say that he is not zero. Now, 
People think he's lying about it still. They're like, no, you are. You just don't want to come out and say it because he described it as a traveling memorial and the focus shouldn't be on him or who's playing Zero more or less. So, um, Yeah, you, but people want to know. Yeah, I mean, like the idea that he would think that people wouldn't want to know who the guy is. Yeah. yeah. And, and, I mean, it's like the mass Singer. Do you think... It's like that bullshit. Oh, it is a little yeah. bit. Do you think it matters that if people know since it's a tribute? No. Okay. Do you, no. then if I mean, I, he's wearing a mask that looks like Wayne Static. I mean, obviously, this is a tribute to Wayne. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's like, it really doesn't matter who it is, but people's curiosity is going to be piqued, and they're going to want to do their own research. And that's what's going to happen if you go, if you put a, a mask on a guy. I mean, people are going to want to know. Right. If, it, if he was the guy and he got called out, though, he would own it, you guys think, right? I wouldn't. I mean, it, you again, would still deny it. Well, I mean, I'm sure he'd come out later on because as of right now, I think they got to stay along with the Wayne Static they tribute. They need the publicity. They need right? the publicity. Yeah. And it's like you know, and again, the more he denies it, or the more that he just kind of steps aside from the question, people the are going to come out to the yeah, shows. Or the more speculation is going to come out. The more we're talking about on on this podcast, do, it's just it's just it's adding more and more publicity to the whole thing. Yeah. Do you feel in any way that it would uh, people would not go see it if it was him? No, no. Right? no. So, I don't think I don't think anything is gonna. I feel like mess up people. I don't think people. Are, I don't think people would go if it was the guy from Dope. I don't think it would. I don't think people would go if it was anybody. I think it's just they would go just strictly because it is a tribute to mm-hmm. Wayne Static. But I think later on, that's probably when we'll get the answer. But during the tour, I don't think we're gonna get a definite answer. Mm. See, I, I that makes I, sense. I don't like getting lied to. So if it's <laughs> if it is him and he's lying, I'd be like, that's kind of shitty of you, man. You're that's ha- me though. You're handsome. Who me? What? Yeah. Thank you. I know I like. That's oh. So <laughs> I fucking lobbed that, didn't I? I was happy for you. Now you were for a second. It was. Like, I was like, oh, that's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> Brandon, that's really sweet of you. And then you oh. shit all then over just, him. God, right Ver- down the verbal drink. deuce. Verbal deuce. <laughs> he verbal deuced me all day. <laughs> That's going to be today's uh, phrase yeah, of the day. Exactly. Anyways, I don't want to hang out with you, so I'm going to the interview. <laughs> That's a lie. He's lying to me. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, guys, let's jump into our interview with David Sandstrom of Refused. Everybody, Petter, Metal Sucks Podcast on the phone. I got David from Refused. We are here to talk about war music. It's coming out October 18th this record lyrically is very direct if we made there's no small talk when we're talking about war music here it pulls no punches man and it is about the disgust of the political agenda um what do you feel is the most effective and moral form of revolting against modern government or its structures whoa this is an exciting question (laughs) no i don't know i mean it is I mean, we're operating from a point, like a point where we feel like this is our core beliefs and this is the way we see the world. I don't think we're trying a lot on this um, record to present a lot of solutions. And it's not, uh, let's say, uh, this kind of music, um, you know, it, it it builds and it creates this tension and gives you this release and it's supposed to get your like blood boiling and it's kind of hard to uh, present uh, like sort of reasonable alternatives to present uh, government uh, in like a hardcore or whatever you call this music sawing. Um, it doesn't, I mean, there has to be a reason that you're screaming it. So, the focus for 
for me and Dennis when when writing uh, the lyrics was more about finding these um, these specific things that drove us crazy or that these things that made us you know really really angry and try to sort of uh, find those channels and just get it out of our systems uh, and it's something that always I mean what really really besides the great songwriting um, of the early like hardcore stuff, hardcore punk stuff that we were into when we were younger, what really, really got us was like that the, there were these people like expressing these, this frustration, this anger that you felt yourself. And it's sort, of, it's sort of like, in a sense, disconnected from actual reality, if you know what I mean. No, oh, There's already like a reality. So there's no reason to create like another reality in art. It's a separate thing. So, um, as far as, I mean, we could, I, I'm, I'm willing to, to <laughs> float the idea that we might be completely wrong, that we're totally blinkered, and maybe like these micro companies on the web will just, you know, take capitalism apart piece by piece. Uh, there might be revolutions going on um, in areas that we're not even aware of, but as far as, our expression goes it's very much just about uh, people uh, getting like you know excluded from social welfare and being you know pushed down and stepped upon by um, uh, the one percent the wealthy the people with uh, you know privilege and just trying to and I, I guess to a certain degree we're all on a sliding scale of that stuff like the generation before us you know our parents had like a car and a house or maybe two cars and for the generation that I belong to and the generations that follow it was a lot harder and now there's a generation of like millennials who can't get loans because they can't get work and they can't get you know it's um, the middle class is shrinking like super fast even the IMF was issue has been issuing warnings and this is not like a blinkered socialist institution this is like a you know, like a revered uh, economical, uh, you know, like overview, uh, which has an American majority, you know, in the on the whatever the seats, the boards or whatever they call it. But they've been issuing this warning that that this concentration of wealth is unhealthy, that it will lead to rioting, and that people's welfare will be in danger, uh, and that it will hurt the economies. Like everyone on every side is saying it, apart from the people actually in possession of the wealth. So it's basically, it's kind of simple. It's really this, this anger from the bottom going for the top. That's the thing that's so genuine about all, all the five refused records that you guys put out is that your anger and your voice is that you guys don't filter it. You're like, no, this is a, an emotion. This is an energy and you just kind of scream it. And there's metaphors to it. I think in a lot of ways like track two on the record, violent reaction I mean, to me, it was like a metaphor of, you know, shaking and get the people to focus and channel anger and energy to what we see daily, you know, yeah. opposed to some kind of blueprint. But how do you feel when you're writing a song? Do you want people to engage emotionally as listeners? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we were kids who grew up in mosh pits. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I spent my entire youth in mosh pits. You know, the band Meshuggah from my hometown. Yeah. So I started going to their shows and I was like, 13, 14, when they were more of like a Bay Area type thrash band. And I just 
lived in a marsh pit. And so that's sort of the, the music that we understand the best. And I think you sort of have to have experience, at least experienced a marsh pit to write the type of music that we write, because it is sort of, I mean, it's, it's, we write hooks. We try to make it like really, you know, engaging and exciting, but it's also very much a visceral physical thing that we're trying to do. So it's actually kind of clinical at times. I mean, whether or not you agree with our specific politics, they work very well. These kind of things like shouting these types of words, these types of like sentiments, uh, it, 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 it just from an, artistic perspective and a songwriting perspective, it really, really enhances the intensity and the, the sense of like uh, anger and the sense of like uh, this explosion of, of the, something very, very human going on. Um, it really enhances that. So it's a great tool as a songwriter, really. You almost, for, you almost forget what, what <laughs> the specific injustice is that you're, <laughs> you're getting at. Because it's it's we are first and foremost um, songwriters in a band, you know. So um, so it wouldn't even we could probably do this whether or not we really believed in, in the things we were saying because it's it's such an effective tool to make this music uh, give it the urgency it has. Yes, that's and that's what I'm saying, and that's what I think draws us to this kind of hardcore or, or punk or whatever you want to label it, but it's like, we don't need solutions. We just need to hear someone scream with us. Why are things like this? You know? And, and that's the yeah. anthem yeah. that, that we grew up with. Yeah. That was like, I'm not, I'm not trying to say like, well, here's how things work. No, no, no. I just want to feel the rage from someone else of why, but yeah. why is it like exactly. this? When you're tied to politics, people will lose that emotional message, you know? Because they're always going to yeah. look at it. Oh, yeah. do they agree with me? But I don't think that's ever been the purpose. Do you? Right. Do you kind of agree with what I said there? Yeah. I mean, I, I think. I mean, personally, I'm the kind of. Guy, I mean, I, there's a band called. Do you know the band Revenge? I, I'm not. Familiar. Uh, the guy, I, can't, I don't know the guy. Yeah, but he had, I think he had a band called Conqueror before that. Okay. Um, but anyway, I mean, it's it's um, it's. It's incredible. I think they call it war metal, but it's like grindcore. But the production is has that element of almost like the black metal stuff that it's like it's recorded in a way, so you can't. I mean, there's that there's te- super technical grindcore, like um, Twitch grindcore, whatever they call it, mm. um, but that is very you know like not very well recorded. You can pick out every snare hit, but this this band Revenge, it's 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 you can't. Can barely hear what the guitar is doing, and I think that they're like the lyrics sound kind of fascist to me. Um, uh, but I don't really care about that in art. If it gets me, if, if I enjoy it, then that's you know that's all that matters. So I don't I don't personally have to agree with someone in, in order to enjoy enjoy what they do, and that goes for like whatever literature, or film, or whatever. I don't think that's that's not something that I ask of an artist or, you know, a songwriter or a band, like, are you decent people or are you, uh, do you know, like, are you wholesome or something? I don't, I don't give a shit about that. So yeah, I, I would, I would say that it's, um, there's, there's a lot more to, I mean, like what we do, there's, there's a lot more, uh, there than just, uh, what's on the page. Are you someone that's, that's into the mantra of know your enemy? 
like you study the people that you disagree with kind of fully or is it less of that um, just out of curiosity when, when you're studying like art for yourself, let it be books or music. Are, are you someone that's kind of into that? No, no, no. It's just sometimes it's just like that. But no, I, I, I really, I read for pleasure. Mm. Uh, if, if I start reading a book and I, and I don't think it's good, you know, in like a couple of like 10 pages or something, I just don't read it. I don't give, I don't care. Um, but now and then you just come across, you know, you're reading something and you don't, you feel like you get what the author is trying to say maybe, and you don't agree with that. But that does, that's not a problem for me. Uh, if the book is well written, I mean, if it's good, if it's great prose or whatever. Yeah. So, but it's, um, it's just, I think I'm perceiving, I'm not on social media or anything. Um, so I keep hearing people say that we're living in a time where um, people are outraged all the time and stuff. Um, and I think it's, that's always, um, that's never good for art, I don't think, uh, because there needs to be some leverage, there needs to be some room to maneuver. Um, and there's a lot of like great artists from the past uh, that have done, that have made uh, stuff that's not... Um, maybe very, you know, good for society or good, you know, like they've expressed ideas or, I mean, you talk about like Nabokov's Lolita is basically a book about a pedophile getting into a pedophile's head. Um, I don't know what the point of that is, but, you know, it's a great book. <laughs> that, that study is going to make you humanize evil. It's going to make you humanize something, even though you're like, wow, this is absolutely not okay, but you're humanizing. Right. And th by doing that, right. it gives you a perspective that you didn't have before, which confuses us the older right. we get. For me, at least it does. Because I always look back, because we're about the same age, I think, and um, I look back and I'm like, what did I do in my generation to change something like permanently to make it better? And then I remember feeling, you know, I'm out here in America, but growing up, you know, from comics, from Dave Chappelle, from Chris Rock, there will never be a black president in your country. Never. I mean, that's all I ever heard. And then I was part of that voting yeah. and, and making that happen. But then, you know, the next president yeah. comes along and you're like, wow, okay, people are telling me that and people are saying you're not woke, meaning I was sleeping the whole time. So it's, it's so hard to get any credit for changing things because... In the process of that death rattle, doesn't it sometimes feel that we go backwards four steps every time? I mean, I'm an optimist. Mm. Uh, I think that it gets better. It's just that it it, it, it takes a very long time. It yes. moves very very slowly. Yes. Uh, but I mean, I, I think that I mean like that thought experiment of traveling in time. I think if if uh, you or me went back, only I mean, we would only have to go back. 30 years and we would lose our fucking mind yes. from how strange and weird and different and we wouldn't be able to really communicate uh, let alone like you know like they're doing the movies all the time with like people going back to like the 1700s or something I mean it's it's um, a lot happens in, in 10 years and 20 years and 30 years uh, a lot changes and I think uh, I mean I'm very interested just in language I think it, a lot of the changes uh, you can tell by the way that, you know, the language that we speak, um, that things change. The, the words that we use, it, it's, sometimes it seems, um, you know, like um, we're being like pushed in a direction or controlled, but the thing is, 
uh, I think democracy is like really hard work. So sometimes you're going to feel stressed out about trying to figure out, um, you know, how to, uh, what to call someone who is non-binary or something like, Mm -hmm. like all that stuff makes people nervous, but it's just like, yeah, but just, we'll we'll have to figure it out. You know, (laughs) we'll take our time, you know, but it's, but also you, you need a time to, to make, I mean, a lot of people at least need a lot of time to, to figure things out. And, and I think there's nothing strange about the times we're living in. I think it's always been like this. Uh, I think, you know, with industrialization, there was a huge, huge, like paradigm shift, like between the generations that grew up with it and the generations who had it happen in their lifetime. Um, and I think we always we're always going through through these changes, and in the end, um, apart from you know creating like uh, irreparable damage um, to the planet and stuff like that, um, uh, we're mainly moving uh, towards uh, I think at least a more interesting place. Yes, uh, and I think that I think that the West has been living off the backs of. Um, you know, unfair trade agreements. I mean, first of all, colonialism, but then, um, you know, the end of colonialism and for many, 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 many years after, uh, we've been usurping, you know, like we've been really oppressing these countries and it hasn't been a fair, uh, a fair, fair game. And I think things are leveling out to a certain degree. I think a lot of people who used to have insane privilege is losing a bit of that privilege and certain ideas are moving forward and, and getting traction and and it feels scary to some that these these changes are, are happening and I think people like us maybe someone would find our response extreme but I but I think um, um, it is a, it is a polarizing time right now and I, and we just felt like with our band, we just wanted to be um, a sort of a voice on the far left because uh, I think it's needed right now. Um, but I, I'm not concerned with. It doesn't bother me if someone is like um, uh, provoked by that or think that we're, you know, like out of line talking about the total violent obliteration of the one percent. It's just um, I just certain times certain things need to be said and sometimes you're the person saying it and as an artist you have to sort of take those risks sometimes provocation though is people look for that these days you know i think that's been that's a cultural thing that i think hasn't been really healthy because we're impatient we have shorter attention spans yeah and we're looking for outrage so that becomes part of our personalities as we 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 get older and and um, I am, I, I as well am just as optimistic as you. I think that my generation, your generation, I think we deserve a lot of credit from where we got, like you said, in the past 30 years, because we lived back then. And, you know, I know we were kids, but we yeah. saw the changes that happened and they were, they were big. There was a lot of big things that we yeah. did right and we won, you know, and the, the, the steps back that yeah. we had to take a few years every single time always led to the death of something that was morally wrong we have to give ourselves some like credit like like certain things like we're living in a time where it's not just that the internet came along and everything changed it's been changing 
our ways of communication because of the internet has been changing on like a yearly basis. Uh, you know, the internet of 2001 was not the internet of 2005 and not the internet of 2010. And now we're, uh, we're turning the page to 2020 soon. And it's, it's been changing every year, the way that we uh, share each other's lives, the way that we share information. And it's, it's, this stuff is hard to figure out. So whatever the current, like, um, public discourse is, it's going to keep changing and it's not going to, I don't see the point of being like outraged about stuff, um, apart from like actual political damage being done to people who can't defend themselves. But as, as far as like public discourse on, I don't know, like, you know, like language used on like mm-hmm. social media and stuff like that. It's like, it's, uh, in five years' time or ten years' time, we'll be able to look back and see what what, what actually was going on and, and how what it did to us. But right now, it feels like like we're in uh, we're in like this. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it'll just keep sprinting like this, like this for our entire <laughs> our entire lives. But I do believe, like a younger generation growing up with these modes of communication, will find ways. Uh, to to gather and to you know like find some sort of like uh, safe spaces for different things and right now we're sort of in this like insane battle across all these like social media platforms and you know influencing elections and stuff like that like maybe we'll be able to to sort these like growing pains out I'm hoping so I'm I'm hoping so too I personally have said it people think I'm stupid I think generations will grow out of this social media thing. I, I do feel that um, it's a trend and the trend got big and then the trend became mandatory. Just, But that that's the same thing you just said about having to buy a house, having to buy two cars. Those trends become mandatory in our lives and then they don't go away. I feel like this won't be something yeah, like I mean, that. That's what I'm hoping, but I feel that way too. No, but, it, well, I, no, but I mean, the, the usage will mm-hmm. change and our attitudes towards it, oh, yeah. I think, will change. I mean, it's it's... It's it's. I think it's intoxicating being able to just get this um, this feedback on what's going on in your life, like the entire time. Like constantly, but we're not really considering what the long term effects are and how it affects. I mean, for me, I was on Instagram for a while, and it just made me annoyed with people that I actually liked. I was starting to think like that guy or that girl is like annoying or fucking you know whatever and then i realized like they weren't they were just annoying on instagram mm-hmm. <laughs> but in real life i, I still like, like them but then with strangers people you don't even know or, or like famous people you're just fucking annoyed yeah. you, you don't have a personal relationship with them so it's, it's a really i think it's i mean specifically they i mean instagram is the only one i have experience with but i think it's a terrible thing uh, i think it's a really like terrible thing yeah, man. Cause, uh, but cause, I mean, refused to all, refused, refused, the band refused is on Instagram, and uh, that's just, I guess, how it goes. I mean, I, I don't. It would be hard for me to convince, um, you know, the other guys in the band or or yeah. our label or whatever that we should be on there because it's it's a I suppose a great marketplace, but to me it's uh, it's uh, it's a terrifying place. It is, 
I think because we're used to people's actions matching their words. And when they have two lives, when they have a real life and a fake life, they don't match. And so it's going to create a, a big discourse in our mind of like, wait, that's not you, but that is them via Instagram. That's their fake life. That's how they want to be seen to strangers in a way. I mean, in a sense, it's always the reflection of the person. Mm-hmm. And some people are really funny on Instagram and, and whatnot, but it's also, um, I guess, the age, I mean, I'm 44, so I don't I have a kid and, you know, like a lot of stuff you know, going on a lot of projects. I don't get to see people that much, especially like acquaintances that I'm not that close with. So to just have a relationship with them through that is 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 is, is pretty bad. That's pretty terrible. Mm, uh, but I, I I mean these things. Uh, I believe in like technical progress. I don't think it can be stopped. It just has to. We just have to get used to it. We have to sort of like take control over it in some way. I don't know. I I I. I like I sound like a like some some like a crazy person living in the woods. <laughs> no, we're just a generation that a lot of people forget. We're a generation that had no internet. Then it became something. Then it became primary, and then it took over. So we were there for the entire thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I used to go to hardcore shows, and that's where you had the conversation. Mm-hmm. You would meet people. And now, and then, since like the, in the last twenty years, I go to shows. And then it just feels like everyone's already had the conversations and they all know what's going on. And I'm just, I don't know because I've never been on Facebook and I don't, I'm walking around like, what was, and of course I miss a lot of stuff because, you know, people uh, post things there for shows and stuff. So I don't don't even know this stuff is going on. Mm. Um, And that's, that's kind of annoying. Uh, But it's fine. It's, It's one of those things where you just have to, take the bad with the good yes i think that's the exact truth one thing i did want to bring up um is that i always i always revisit because i talk about refused all the time on the show people always hear me talk about at the gates and refused because you guys had the this great second life you know as a band and i remember waiting and waiting to get uh refuses fucking dead the documentary and i revisit it every other year or so but during the inactive yeah dude i mean i'll tell you this it took forever to come out i remember that i was like what's going on for this thing and then when i got it it was short right it was like 40 minutes but it was still great I i didn't care but i remember during that process i because I didn't believe you guys were not coming back, but I remember watching that documentary. I'm like, oh, they're, they're not coming back. You know when I was convinced that you guys right. would possibly reunite, truthfully, when the AC4 record came out? I was like, wait. This, oh, right. <laughs> this is going to happen. That's when my mind was convinced. And then a few years later, it did happen. But during those years of inactivity, right. um, did you realize, was there any signs you know, that your band was 10 times bigger than it was? You know, back in the nineteen ninety eight. No, I I didn't I didn't um, I didn't pay attention to it at all. And I was living in sort of like a different world. I was hanging out with a lot of people who were into that type of music, really. Um, and but but I mean, Chris was in LA uh, when that started to happen. So he would email me, and be like, because you know people didn't really like the record when it came out. So I I. I was told that it was that it had become a thing, but I didn't actually realize until basically the reunion mm. how much of a thing it had become. And it was, um, I mean, it's great. I mean, it's it's lovely. But no, I I didn't actually. I mean, Dennis was out there touring with other bands, mm-hmm. so he was 
very aware of it. Uh, but for him, it was just an obstacle because he was doing so different, and he was doing a completely different type of music, and people were sort of expecting him to 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 represent that record that we made, and and he was that was not what he was up to. So for him, it was it was I think it was uh, a burden for a while. But no, I didn't um, I didn't uh, really understand. Uh, it's strange, isn't it? I mean, it's because you've <laughs> all you want to do is make great music that people like, and then when you finally do, you're not paying attention to it, <laughs> and you're not around to to play the music even. It's it's great, but you kind just said funny. it. Five or ten years later, people will look back and get it. And I mean, it happened virtually with almost. I think I feel five years later, the shape of punk to come was the conversations we were having everybody at the hardcore shows and all the bands that were growing up at that time were like, here you go, at least out here. Um, I remember that because I, I was, right. I was lucky enough to see you guys live before that, you know? Um, and I remember, oh, right. yeah, I bought, I bought, uh, I remember buying the everlasting EP. I can't remember if it was from you or who at the merch booth at the time. So I don't know what tour it was on exactly, to be honest with you. It wasn't, it was before the shape of punk to come obviously, but, um, I got to see you guys right. and I remember, maybe, in 1996, maybe? 96, we were there with uh, Snapcase, we toured? Yes, it was with Snapcase. Yeah, and it was, so it was during right. the, yeah. Because I remember you guys did Rather Rather Be Dead, and that was the song that, like, live or whatever like that, I remember it just changed me. I'm like, I've never seen anything like this. That was the moment for me. And so right. you guys, yeah, yeah, and, and that was, uh, dude, we're going back 20-something years. I remember picking up that EP and, and telling my friends, and then my friends, we would do films because I went to film school, and, and they would always play your guys' song illegally in, in the short films. And I remember I'm like, they're catching on because right. we're not talking, yet I'm hearing, you know, uh, coup d'etat in this song, right, or in this movie right here. So it was, I right. saw the seeds, dude, just by being around, you know, that group. And I'm in Vegas, so you guys just did the uh, the public right. bowling out here, yeah. So it was a uh, yeah, yeah, that was great, right? I mean, we we got some festivals now, dude. Our town, our town, our town's getting some cool yeah. stuff, dude. I know, I know, you guys haven't done the Psycho Vegas yeah. yet, but Psycho Vegas is just as cool, man. It really is. Yeah, I've, I've been meaning to go go actually to Psycho Vegas. I spent some time in LA, and I was gonna go, but I never made it up. But I did. I think go to that. I went and recorded some music at a studio. That was um, inside that 11th Street Records place in oh, Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Down, downtown. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, that's cool, dude. I had no idea. Yeah. 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 It's a. Uh, no, I just did some others. When I was living in LA, I went and recorded some stuff there. But it's. Yeah, Vegas is a strange place for a Swede. It's uh, it's, uh, it's a bit much. You brought something up that I thought it's interesting because it's there is this uh, discrepancy for the band because we had this presence in Europe. I mean, specifically in, in Sweden and Scandinavia, but as far as the states went, we were very obscure. And I think for people that were around us in Sweden and knew of the band, they knew that we were, you know, very ambitious and wanted to do exciting things. But as far as the states went, we put out a record on like Victory Records, and mm -hmm. we were connected to like that scene of like uh, Snapcase and Strife and and those kind of bands and and. And we were, we liked those bands and we were friends with them, but we were always wanting to do something more, wanting to do something different. And, and I think it was partly what made Shape of Punk uh, such a success is that it sort of came out of nowhere. And a record like that, 
if it's like from a well-known band and people like them and are expecting a new record and comes out, you know, it would have probably been a, you know, a success, moderate success, I don't know, but the fact that it was, that so many people that you talk to, you know, discovered it cold, just walking into a record store and someone telling them, like, you got to hear this record and they play that record. It, 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 you know, like, it's sort of like, um, it really helps the music when no one has been hyping it and no one has been telling you. And it's just, you know, it's not on the news, you know, like it's not out there on, in the magazines and, you know, on billboards or whatever. I think for any good record, if you were just to stumble upon it unknowingly, it, it makes the music kind of more powerful. So I think that helped the record. And of course the title too, because I'm kind of like, I think it's a great record and, and stuff, but to me and to us, at least for me and Chris, when we're writing the music, it's not the perfect record to us. We still feel that we're trying to figure out what this band can do and what we want to do. And uh, and we definitely feel like that record, because of the title and because of the fact that the mythology of us breaking up and all that made it uh, more than it... Uh, Maybe more than it uh, should have been, I suppose. But I understand that that feeling of uh, ownership too. To have this great record that people don't know about at a certain age, you know, it becomes very important to you. You know what I mean? I mean, mm -hmm. and it's almost impossible to to trump that. It's impossible to sort of like if you've had that experience with a record at a certain age. You know, there's you, you could make you could make like Rain and Blood again, and people would still not think it was as good as you know the the first contact thing. You know, so I think for someone like you who knew of us before, you probably have a more nuanced uh, appreciation of the record. I'm, I'm guessing. I'm telling you right now, but the, the, the beauty of it is that I did have this ownership thing. Because every time I brought it up, people didn't know who I was talking about. But we did that as kids. We'd pass the records on and be like, no, you got to hear this. Every time I passed that record, people didn't want to give it back to me. That's that's where you got it. That's where right. I, I have to They're like, no, no, no. Because a lot of times they're like, here you go, take this back. I remember I was a huge fan of, when we are talking about Snapcase, they did that record in transmission, which was very different than the... Um, kind of the hardcore sound and I, same thing I, I loved it and i remember trying to pass that to people like nah no, yeah no, no, no. but shape of punk to come that's yeah. what happened is that across the way we we were all yeah. taking ownership and passing it along and everybody was that we were getting it to they were listening and when even though it's not ours yeah. when someone listens to us in any way shape or form we feel cool <laughs> so, and that's what yeah. it was man that's what it was it was it was a beautiful thing i mean that's but we, you brought it up like when 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 you guys have that influence and that legacy is kind of set, what is most important about maintaining that legacy on new music for Refused, like right now, like war music? Well, it's, it's, it's basically just the same process. It's not like, I mean, we weren't, we hadn't arrived at a destination when we made Shape of Punk. You know, uh, we just didn't, we just never managed to, we didn't manage to keep going, basically. The band fell apart mm. for other reasons. It wasn't because the record was bad. Um, and we weren't, we didn't feel uh, like we were done with music when we made that record. If things had turned out better, we would have kept going. And I don't know what we would have done. It's impossible to say, but it feels like we're doing it now. Like we're, we're still, 
working with the same basic parts. There's a certain truth to every band, I believe, mm -hmm. and you gotta sort of be open to, you know, you know, try to listen to that, try to hear, and try to figure out what it is that you're really good at. And try to concentrate that and and make it, you know, interesting for you and interesting for the audience somehow. It's it's um it's a it's a it's a, it's a great uh, job <laughs> to have uh, to be able to focus on doing that. Um, but I, I, I feel like it's, it's stupid to say this is the best record we made, but I, 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 I can easily say that war music is um, nothing else that we've done is better than this record. I'd go that far at least. I'm telling you, man, people are going to get their minds blown. This record is fantastic, man. It, it, it doesn't stop. It's non-relenting. That's the thing. And that was different with Freedom a little bit. You know, Freedom was, there was parts where it was yeah. kind of a little bit different. And I, that's where I wonder if people, maybe myself included, I was kind of prepared for, that's, that's what we do, though. It's like maybe a Freedom Part 2. And when, when I listened to War Music, I was like, Wow. I mean, first listen, right? And it's not not a super long record. It's like thirty five right. minutes. It's, it's it's short. But the point is, is it's not it's short for yeah. whatever. But it's it's that's all I need. It's a lot, you know. Like you're talking about when when you have a record like Rain and Blood, you don't look at the runtime. You look at what where you went through the journey. What was the difference between the yeah. Freedom record and what you were trying to say on War Music? I, I just felt, I think we feel felt more secure about our strengths writing this record, and we had a you know you come from different. Uh, angles every time you write a song and, and this time it's like that thing I was saying about there's a truth to every band like you can tinker with it and you can change it up and stuff but I think all the really good bands are in tune somehow to the truth of the band which is whatever it is that they do that they do better better than others or that others really don't seem to be able to do you know um, I love it when bands you know experiment and try stuff out, but at the same time, if you go too far in tinkering with the uh, engine of the machine, you can sort of, uh, you know, it could it could perform better or perform worse. And making war music, we've been tinkering a lot with the uh, mechanics of of our songs, and I think we just we were just in the zone somehow. We just felt really confident, like. We've been playing a lot of shows and just feeling like we walked up stage every night feeling like we absolutely slayed. And we were writing at the same time and we had this confidence and it just it just felt really great. We just felt like we we knew what we were doing. Um, we were working with great riffs, great material. We were really inspired as far as like writing, you know, hooks, like great lines to, for Dennis to scream. And we took our time with it too. Like uh, a lot of those songs were four or five, six minutes, maybe not six, but four or five minutes long. And we just really, really kept working at it because we wanted it to be really powerful and, and direct. And it's, it's kind of hard to write a three minute song. I mean, I think the, they clock in around like 310, three, I think the longest is like three, almost 340, one of them. But they're right in that area and it's really hard to do it's a lot easier to write a five minute song uh so we really just we just we didn't waver we just kept kept beating at them and beating them into shape 
and uh, we were inspired and, and focused and had great confidence. I think that was it. I think it's it's a uh, it's uh, my proudest moment, dude. As a musician, a songwriter, definitely. Yeah, and I'm, dude, I'm telling you as a fan, I was like, wow. You know, I always I brought up Kudata earlier, but Kudata is one of those like just yeah. I, I want to mosh and hurt people type of songs. You've got those moments on this yeah. record, definitely. Like you know, um, yeah, no, no, we were talking about that. I mean, yeah. Chris, it's interesting you bring that song up because that was one of those like pivotal songs for us, where we managed to sort of pack a lot in in a short time without it feeling. Uh, I mean, you can you can overdo it, mm-hmm. where it just becomes like a. Mini, some weird miniature or something where it loses power but Kurata, that song for us was very important and I think when we finished the uh, um, second to last song on the record the infamous left we really had like a sort of a Song Stefan Kurata feel about that song we were sort of surprised because we hadn't been thinking about that um, because it had a different shape when we were working on it but as it ended up it really it's it has a lot of that same energy that 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 song has it's interesting you brought it up oh no i i felt it the whole way i, I went back and listened and and the beginning of coup d'etat you know right before you co- come in with the drums the right the that part dude and then it just yeah. drags you in yeah. before dennis jumps in the infamous left it, it's got the same like i'm i'm paying yeah. attention and that's and that's so important because it is towards the end of the record too i'm glad that that as a listener and as a fan that i can relate that what you guys were kind of going for because you know ne- that means yeah, you did it. Yeah, that's great. You did it. Yeah, so... Yeah, yeah. Way to go, man. Yeah, good validation. Yes, dude, because, yeah, and if everybody's wondering, we didn't talk about this beforehand. No, we didn't. This is in the moment, so... <laughs> With that... <Yeah. laughs> dude, I got to tell you, David, huge fan, My one of my favorite stories of all time, one of my favorite bands, all you guys. I mean, I talked about it on the show how I, I Grateful Dead International Noise Conspiracy when I was 17, I followed them around like six cities just because I didn't think they were going to come back. You know, um, and uh, right. but they did. They lasted much longer than I, for some reason, thought. But anyways, the point is, a great time spending with all you guys. I've seen you guys live so many times of the years, and it's been uh, an absolute joy to get to promote this record. I want to tell everybody one more time: War Music. Do not miss out. It's out October eighteenth, North America. Check dates. Go to metalsucks.net. We got a post, and it tells you when Refused is coming out here. Do not miss them. As he mentioned, they just played out here in Vegas. They're, they're on fire live. They're on fire, dude. And the, the best part about the fire is that the <laughs> audience, the energy in the audience will make you guys go crazier. Every single time I've seen you guys, you, you get us going and then you guys go crazier. So guys, do not miss out on Refused this time because these war music songs live are going to be fucking epic, dude. So... With, yeah, I think so. Thanks, man. Not a problem, dude. With that, David, I want to thank you so much, man, for calling into the Metal Sucks podcast. Yeah, thank you, man. Thank you. It was great. It was great talking to you. All right.
the Metal Sucks Podcast.
All right, guys, and we are back. Both songs you just heard is off the latest record, War Music, which is coming out October 18th from Refused. Guys, I've heard it, as you heard me in the interview. Fucking excellent record. Make sure you guys pick it up. First song you heard is called Blood Red. Second song, Economy of Death, dude. Make sure you guys are checking out tour dates. They're coming out here to North America. Definitely don't want to miss them. So with that, I want to thank you guys, everybody out there, for the five-star reviews we keep seeing on the Apple iTunes. I was corrected to say Apple iTunes. Mm. Uh, Is that weird? Actually, it's iTunes. It's Apple Podcasts now. Whatever. Uh, Now you're going to correct me? Yes. Mm. I'm smart. (laughs) Mm. That's his I, just, I just, I just verbal deuced all <laughs> over what you just said. I, I, I think mm. the ver- <laughs> yeah. yeah, I want to thank everybody for the reviews on the yeah. Apple Podcast iTunes reviews. Yeah, Pete's now Marge's sister. <laughs> That's a good reference, actually. Five star reviews really uh, make us happy. Four stars, we get it. Uh, those, we can. There's only so many bits that are gonna hit, so we understand that we we don't get the four stars. But we appreciate you guys taking the time to review the show. Also, want to thank everybody for checking out our other podcast, the documentary one, Rise to Offend. This week, we're going to continue Marilyn Manson and everybody he offended. Um, and with that, guys, we want to thank you so much, and we will talk to you next week. The Metal Sucks Podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.